Welcome to Nurse Narrative, the Auburn University School of Nursing podcast, where we invite you to join our story. In today's episode, Chris and I sit down with Dr. Ann Lambert. Ann has over 35 years of nursing experience, including med surge, pediatrics, ED, ICU, post-anesthesia care, oncology, and was an outpatient nurse manager. She is currently an associate clinical professor teaching pediatric nursing in the baccalaureate and nurse practitioner programs at Auburn University School of Nursing. Since 2000, she has also maintained clinical practice as a pediatric nurse practitioner in a rural primary care clinic. Her research and outreach interests include increasing awareness about how to reduce the risk of SIDS and thereby decrease the infant mortality rate. Chris and I sit down with Anne to talk to her and learn more about what SIDS is and what we can do to reduce the risk of SIDS. Let's go to our episode. Anne, welcome to the podcast. We're so glad to have you here today. Thank you for having me this yes, morning. Definitely. Good morning, Chris. Good morning. <laughs> um, so we're just going to jump right in. So Anne, today we were hoping that you could talk to us a little bit about your role as a pediatric nurse practitioner and faculty at Auburn University School of Nursing. And we'll get in a little bit to some of your interests and, and where that's led you. Sure. So um, I've been at Auburn for a while teaching pediatric nursing with the undergraduate students. And this semester I'm also teaching the nurse practitioner students about pediatrics. So it's been a long journey of teaching and working and mm-hmm. I love all of it. I love teaching the students. I love working as a nurse practitioner. I do that one day a week at a rural health clinic. And so I really kind of get the best of both yeah. worlds. So it's been a a fun ride so far. Yeah. So October is SIDS Awareness Month, and you actively promote and lead efforts to increase awareness and reduce risks for SIDS. Um, So we wanted to talk to you about that a little bit today. Can you tell us what SIDS is? Sure. So, you know, probably most people have heard of SIDS or Sudden Infant Death Syndrome. It sounds scary Mm -hmm. when you think about that. Um, It is a hard topic to talk about because nobody expects to lose their baby. And so there's probably somebody in the audience today listening that knows someone Mm -hmm. who has lost a baby. So we just want to be mindful and thinking about that. And when I teach about it, I I say the same thing in class. Um, You know, it's really defined as a baby under one year old Mm -hmm. who unexpectedly dies. And we're not really sure why. Um, There'll actually be a death scene investigation, a medical Mm -hmm. investigation, an autopsy. Um, And after all of that, if there's really no way to know what happened to the baby, it's considered a SIDS death. Mm -hmm. People used to call it crib death, or your grandmother might have said cot death. And so those are other terms you might have heard of. Mm -hmm. Are those just Southern terms, or is that kind of... No, not necessarily. Cot death is actually kind of from (coughs) British, from England, so you may have heard of those. Okay. Okay. So what can be done to reduce the risk of SIDS? You know, we've talked about the hard stuff first. I want to talk about things that we can do to help and just kind of change Mm -hmm. the tone of our talk this morning. And um, there are a lot of things we can do to decrease the risk. You know, I would like to say we can prevent SIDS. I'm not, that's not really totally true. But there are many things we can do to reduce risk. So uh, if you'll give me a few minutes yeah, just to talk through means, those things. Yes, okay. So you've probably heard of the Back to Sleep campaign, mm-hmm. and that was in like the 1980s. Mm-hmm. Um, and we reduce 
SIDS deaths by like 50%. Mm-hmm. And then now the newer term is safe to sleep okay. campaign. And so let's just talk about the things that are kind of with that. Um, we probably have about 3,500 deaths per year from SIDS. Mm-hmm. And so if we can do these things to reduce the risk, then I feel like we can reduce those numbers. Yeah. Um, the infant mortality rate in Alabama is terrible. P- terrible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're usually, uh, our state in Mississippi, we're usually the top um, SIDS rate in the nation. We're higher than the national average. If you could talk about uh, maybe some of the reasons why that is or what some of the research says about why specifically sure. uh, our, yeah. our area. Yeah, and so I'm just, I'd love to give some background, I guess, before we talk about yeah. ways to reduce risk. So, you know, the infant mortality rate is kind of three top things in the nation. One is babies are born with some type of congenital problem, and Mm -hmm. we really can't do anything about that, right? And then the second um, factor is babies that are really early, very tiny. We can't change that. Mm -hmm. But the third leading cause of infant mortality in Alabama and the nation is SIDS. Mm -hmm. And so for me, that says, hey, let's try to decrease those risks and and make things better. So, um, okay, so now let's talk about how to decrease risk. Um, A lot of people just use the ABC, put the baby alone on their back in a crib. Um, But there's a little more to that. So you do want the baby in a safe sleep environment, which is a firm mattress with a tightly fitted sheet. Um, no crib clutter. Mm-hmm. I don't, have you heard of that? Yes. <laughs> so this is this is my first time hearing crib clutter. So crib clutter is like what it's all the soft stuff. So we really don't want blankets and toys or mom's purse or pe- sometimes pets are allowed in the baby's bed. So we don't want anything soft or that could get in occlude or block the baby's airway or get something over their face. Yeah. So it sounds kind of cold mm-hmm. and not comfortable, but if you start your baby out this way, they'll get used they to, get it. Used to it, so. Mm-hmm. so that would be one thing. Um, we also ask for moms to breastfeed their babies. You know, breastfeeding has lots of benefits, and you think, well, how does that fit in with SIDS? We just know statistically that babies who are breastfed have a lower risk of SIDS than babies who are formula-fed. Um, the latest recommendations, too, are for you to share your room as a parent, but not your bed. Mm-hmm. So we've always kind of said that. Mm-hmm. You know, have the baby in the room in a crib beside your bed or a bassinet or a baby box. You know, whatever it is, you want it to be safe, mm-hmm. but in your room. And we've always said at least until six months old. Now the guidelines are keep your baby in your bedroom until one year old. Oh, really? So when people hear that, they're probably like, "Uh uh-oh, I don't know about that. But, (laughs) you know, we do think that's the safest. Um, Let's see. Moms, we don't want them smoking during pregnancy or in the room with the baby because that increases your risk of Mm -hmm. SIDS. And then this one, your mother and your grandmother are going to have some input on this. We tend to over bundle or over wrap yeah. how, do, how do you want to say that too many Swaddle, layers <laughs> load them up with the long sleeve onesies yes. fleece and blankets yes. and yeah. hats uh-huh. and yeah. all that so the current recommendation is your baby's comfortable when you're comfortable so however you're dressed they are probably need to be the same and maybe one more layer because you don't if they're too hot then you again you're increasing your risk mm-hmm. for SIDS uh, I guess the last thing I kind of thinking through my laundry list is 
do any of you remember we there used to be things for sale in the items for sale in the store called um, positioners or sleeping devices to put kind of behind your baby's back or do yeah you, uh-huh. do you remember any of that or a wedge <laughs> yep and really the research shows none of those are helpful mm. um, you really shouldn't use them at all so I think most of those things aren't really on the market anymore yeah so we just want them on their back nothing in the bed and um, that's really the safest well and you know that's- I have several small children so I hear lots of mom conversations and questions so I'm going to play devil's advocate for a minute and ask you some questions if you can kind of talk through them so one thing that I hear all the time is the um you know back is best um but I have people who say well you know they used to say back then they said stomach now they said back so why should I trust this recommendation I'm just going to put the baby down so can you speak to that a little bit of why it has gone back and forth some and why we're back to the back yeah I'm really glad you asked that because honestly um, I've been a nurse for a few years and I've taught several different things actually over time I taught students put the baby on their tummy then I taught baby uh, the students to put the baby on their side. Now I'm teaching put the baby on their back. And to be very truthful, it took me a little while on this last time to change my mind and trust the science because you're going to have grandparents say, I put my baby on their tummy. We never had a problem. They lived. So I don't trust what you're telling me. And, and I get that because I kind of had a hard time accepting and trusting the science Mm -hmm. that back is best. I can tell you that the babies that we found that have passed away from SIDS, they're never on their back. They're either on their tummy, under some covers, under a parent. Mm -hmm. They've they've suffocated. They've got entrapment. And again, those are hard things to talk about. It's very sad. So if we can talk to grandparents and talk to dads and talk to our neighbors that you know what we know now the evidence is on your back is best yeah. so yeah I hope that answers kind yeah. of what you were asking it does so let me ask a further question about that so I have a six-month-old and I lay her on her back but she inevitably will roll to her side or roll on her tummy so in in thinking about you know safe sleep and all that when I'm sleeping at night and she rolls on her tummy or she rolls on her side, is it okay that I'm not waking up every couple minutes and fixing that, or do we... That is totally okay, because we know that most of the SIDS deaths occur between four and six months, and most babies can roll over at about six months. Mm -hmm. So once your baby can roll over, they can adjust how they sleep and their airway. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's fine. She doesn't need you to help her during the night. Um, We're more concerned about the younger ones who can't lift their head very much or can't turn their head to the side and get a good breath Mm -hmm. of air. Mm -hmm. So it's totally fine and don't feel like you have to stay awake, you know, all night long. So I want to ask another question, and this one may be a little tougher, and I want to be sensitive, like you said, to um, experiences that others may have had. Mm -hmm. But you mentioned that it's important that babies sleep alone. Um, and then just now you mentioned some difficult terms like entrapment or children, um, you know, being trapped under their parents, things like that. You know, again, as, as a mom who's tired, I've certainly had the moments where I feel like I just need the baby to sleep, whatever that means. If that means I'm holding him or her, if that means, you know, they're laying in the bed with me, I just need to sleep, you know, and you, you feel that desperation. And so 
Um, and, and I've certainly had some some scary moments with that myself, where I, I either fell asleep accidentally or something happened, and and you know I was fortunate that everything was okay, but it it scared me badly, and I and I know I'm not alone in that, and so. In those circumstances, because, you know, there is a reality of when you have young babies and small children, you, you need to sleep. Um, but also what you're talking about is so important that you want to give your, your infant the best chance at life. And so what what advice would you have or how do you speak to parents about that? I'm sure I'm not the first person that's asked you that or said that to you. And so when I am desperate for sleep at night and thinking about putting Nancy in the bed with me you know what 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 advice would you give me what could you say to that you know you've probably expressed what lots of moms feel Mm -hmm. very tired just let me sleep please let the baby sleep so I get that I understand that I just think you need a plan Mm -hmm. Um, uh, we're also promoting breastfeeding so you're going to be bringing your baby to the bed to breastfeed maybe but then we need to put her back in her safe area or have your partner or husband be sure they're awake and can move the baby for you you know you really uh, moms do fall asleep with the baby in the bed and most of the time you know things turn out okay but it's pretty scary when you think about you know how they could be injured so I would just have a plan or backup plan you know where um, you're, you finish breastfeeding or you've brought them to bed for comfort for a little while and then putting them back in their safe sleep area yeah or someone helping you with that you yeah. know yeah okay I, and I think you either I've read that before or asked you somewhere and you, you had mentioned having a partner if that's available to you you know um, other tips I've heard setting an alarm for yourself so that if you did doze off you know mm-hmm. you would that's wake an right excellent back up. idea and I've done that myself because you know, I, we both need to sleep, so we have patience for our other children. And I have, um, you know, certainly been, you know, my, my husband's been in, a, in another room, and so I've set an alarm for myself because otherwise, I, I mean, you're just so tired. Mm-hmm. You know? That's a great idea. So, well, Anne, so what resources are available? You've given us some great information, mm-hmm. but for families who want to um, read some more information uh, where can they go to receive accurate information about SIDS because there's all kinds of stuff on the internet so where's it where's some good places for people to look sure yeah, and there are a lot of myths and misleading information out there so I would just start with Alabama Department of Public Health okay. they have great resources they have information we have a cribs for kids program so if you don't have a crib or you don't have financial ability to purchase that for your home they they can help you and it's very simple they have the safe sleep devices in every health department where you live and if they don't they'll get one for you they can even mail it to your home so I definitely wanted to say you know that's available the American Academy of Pediatrics has lots of information the um, National Institutes of Health actually and under that we're kind of going detailed is the Eunice Eunice Kennedy Shriver child health programs I use a lot of their materials they're free they're very good they're in several languages they have written material they have videos and our students use this information Mm -hmm. you know it's not about me it's about what I'm doing with our students so we've had our nursing students go to rural Head Start or daycare areas and teach the staff there. We've also gone to several 
rural hospitals who are still delivering and kind of updated the nurses again and we use all these yeah. materials my latest um, project I'm trying to continue working on is reaching more dads yeah. and mm. men because <laughs> we tend to talk to the moms about it so Chris we want you know you involved and thinking about you know how can I help with this so I've been to several National Guard units in the state okay. to because it's yeah, mostly yeah. men mm-hmm. and teaching about how to reduce the risk and decrease our SIDS rates so I want to continue that I think it's a unique group to reach to mm-hmm. and we're involving our students in all of that outreach and research mm-hmm. which is you know part of the mission of the school so. and I'm glad you joined that. I think it's very important to realize that you know reducing SIDS is definitely a team effort so mm-hmm. you know we can't just put all of this on right. moms you know dads have a, a big part in that as well mm-hmm. right Right. Yeah, and you know, a lot of um, in my work as a practitioner, I see quite a few families where the grandparents are caring for the children, yeah. or maybe someone's in foster care. So the NIH materials has things for grandparents, um, plenty of information there. It's all free. So I would recommend, you know, just go on there and look for yeah. it, and there's lots of good information. Yeah, and we can link to those in our show notes. So we'll get those links from you, Anne, and we'll make sure those resources are available for our listeners. Okay. There's something else, and you mentioned a lot of grandparents are, are involved. And while I do not have children, I come from a large family. And one of the things I've realized, and Megan kind of alluded to this earlier, there seem to be some generational differences mm-hmm. in child care and beliefs about, you know, what should be done or what's best. How do you, how do you combat some of that? I'm glad you asked that too. There are a lot of generational differences. There are a lot of cultural differences. I think we need to honor the traditions of our grandparents Mm -hmm. and our culture, but at the same time, teaching gently the newest information and evidence. And again, like I said, it was really hard for me to change my mind because mm-hmm. what you hear from a lot of people is if I put them on their back, they're going to spit up and choke to death. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that's probably crossed your mind. Uh-huh. While we're, yes. And our listeners are probably thinking that too. We don't have evidence of that. Uh, if a baby spits up fluids, they will turn their, they have a inborn instinct, I guess you'd say, to turn their head to the side. And then as they're older, as you mentioned, when they're six months old, they definitely can move their head and turn to the side. And so uh, that's probably one of the most common things I hear from other generations and cultures. And the other thing we hear culturally is to be a good mom, I need the Mm -hmm. baby in the bed with me so I can be very vigilant and protect my baby. And that sounds really good, but it's probably one of the worst things you could do. You're you're doing better if you put the baby in their own safe yeah. area. Mm. Good to know. Yeah, it's hard to fight those those things and the things like you said that sound better and sound right and feel right, you know. But um, making sure that you're looking at the evidence along yeah. with that and yeah. So that was a good question, Chris. I had the same mm-hmm. thought in my mind, so I'm glad you asked it. Well, Anne, what is one piece of advice that you want to leave with the community? I know that's a big question. (laughs) Right. I've been thinking about that. I knew that would probably be one of the questions today. And I guess my thoughts would be, please share with your friends and your family and people that you love the safe sleep message. You know, I mean, just to keep it really simple is, you know, we know what we know. And if we just continue to share it, and that's why October, SIDS Awareness Month, a lot of what you'll see 
in the media and social media we do things with our students to promote this as well I have a class of students who are developing some social media posts that we'll put on our website and on our lobby board just to increase awareness about what is safe sleep what does that mean and you know everybody wants the best for their baby I think you said that earlier today and so just share that message um, and let's move forward and decrease the SIDS rate Chris, do you have any other questions for Ann? And I would just say this was very eye-opening for me. Um, even as, as a nurse who didn't specialize in pediatrics and didn't do a lot of work around infants, um, it's very eye-opening to see that this is still something that we have to be very vigilant and, and aware of. Mm-hmm. So um, thank you for bringing your expertise to the table, and thank you for all, the, all that you do. Okay, yeah. I'm just very humbled and grateful that you would have me, and um, I'm honored to be involved in this type of work to try to decrease the risk and save babies so thank you well your efforts are incredibly important and we appreciate everything that you're doing and for the listeners who don't know Ann is my resident go-to resource (laughs) for all things pediatric and and infant and so um, you know again to the listener as a as a fellow mom for moms out there a parent for dads out there you know it is hard <laughs> and you are tired and all of those things but absolutely as as Anne said we I know you all just like I do want the best for your children and so Anne thank you for giving us sound advice and resources so that we can make educated decisions about that and um, so we will include those links in our show notes and thank you so much for being here thank you for answering our questions to the listeners thank you for joining us again take good care